Hi there, and welcome to the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Neufeld Flanagan, expat and interior designer based in Dublin, Ireland. This show is all about informing and inspiring you, homeowners and renters in Ireland, on all things around property, housing, and home, from self-building to choosing flooring. In each episode, we interview industry experts and homeowners to give you practical advice and the motivation to create and elevate your spaces. Hi there, and welcome to episode 17 of the Interiors Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Neufeld Flanagan, and today we're doing a different style of episode. These are going to be 30-minute focus bursts where I will research topics or share insights into how you can make designing your home, your space a little bit more easier. So we're going to hone in on certain topics and kind of fly through it with some common confusions, questions, um, or analyses. And today I thought we'd start with one of my favorite topics, which is designing your own unique style. When I pivoted careers to interior design, a lot of my friends and family started coming to me for help. And one of the biggest problems I would see was that people didn't really know what their own style was. So they always tried to fit themselves into a box. They would say, oh, I don't like traditional and I like modern, but like this image is too stark. So they were really limited by what they saw as kind of the overbearing styles that they were familiar with. And if they couldn't fit themselves into one or two of these boxes, they were kind of left at a loss and weren't sure how to pair things, existing things they already had in their home. So I think there's a lot of help that's needed out there to distinguish what your interior style is. Um, Part of it is understanding what's come before, like, you know, oh, is that just traditional or is there like a country cottage style you like, but you don't like a stuffy drawing room, you know, filled with wallpaper and upholstery. So that takes a little bit of research and understanding what these terms even mean. But I think that's still a little limiting. And I think creating your own interior style can be a lot more inspiring and exciting. And so that's what we're going to walk through today. It's about finding your own interior style and inspiration with a story. So by story, I mean a narrative, and this is basically a theme that is going to have a rationale to it. And I'll use examples throughout to make this a little less lofty. But creating a story or a theme behind your house and your interior style is going to be really helpful for a few things. One, it's going to guide your design decisions and shopping criteria. If you start redoing a home or you're building something from scratch, it can be really exciting and you can end up buying things that you then have to shoehorn in later when you haven't fully finished your design. So it's going to be really helpful to create a criteria. For example, you know, maybe you're mixing antiques from the 19th and 20th century with mid-century pieces and a couple of contemporary flares, but nothing too cold. And, you know, there's going to be a whole story behind this based on the architecture of the house, based on your own tastes and preferences, based on where the property is, like what neighborhood. So once you finish creating the central theme, you'll have a few criteria. And if you look at something that's really cool or your significant other sees this like big beer sign at uh, a salvage yard and they say, oh, how cool would that be? You can remind them gently that it doesn't really fall into what you had discussed was going to be the overarching style mix for your home. And that's really what it's about. It's creating a style mix that makes sense for you, that makes sense for the house, where it's at, and the kind of feeling you want to imbibe it with. 
So creating this theme is also going to be helpful for avoiding trends. A lot of times when people start designing their home, they go to Pinterest and Instagram and they start saving and pinning. And this is all great. However, it can land us in recreating somebody else's look. And often that look was created by an amazing interior designer with an amazing budget and months, if not years, developing each little thing and how it all fit together and how it made sense for that house at that point in time or that family, you know, in Malibu. So sometimes if we're just copying something that looks great in Quidditch Paltrow's home, but we have a bungalow in beautiful rural fields in Ireland, it might not work, you know, and and really there's a reason that there's a lot of cozy interiors that have come out of Ireland and the UK over the years. There's a lot to do with weather and the light that we get and the weather we get. So it's important not to design in isolation. And when you're copying things from Pinterest and Instagram without guiding concept with North Star helping you course correct, then you could fall prey to these trends. And it could mean then that you might get bored of it a little faster because it doesn't really connect on a certain level. So by creating this unique theme, you're going to make something that's a bit more timeless. And at the end of the day, it's going to be completely unique to you, to your family, to your home. And it makes this really incredible connection between these things. So you, your own values, your own tastes, your where you've traveled to, where you're from, as well as the house and its own history, who built it, what style was it done in, how did you renovate it, what did the architect you may have hired bring to it. And then finally, like, where was it built? Like its orientation is by the sea. Is it in the suburbs? Is it in the city? Or is it out somewhere rural? These are all the kind of layers, like kind of of an onion that you need to consider as you're creating your narrative. Okay, so now we can start talking about how to create this narrative. It can be helpful as you're doing this to read a little bit about what different interior design styles are but it's not completely necessary. And again, it could pigeonhole you in a given style. And I will say doing this before you decide on the layout of your house, on any architectural features, if you're doing a a big renovation, if you're working with an architect, being really clear on this as early on as possible in your project is an incredibly important step. A lot of people think the interiors come last, but in reality, if you're going for a certain feeling, It needs to be connected between the architecture of the house and the interiors. And a lot of architects love to bridge that. So they'll help you create a layout and a kitchen that makes sense for the style that you've described to them. So don't delay doing this until like the works are finished. Really try to embed this in the brief of your design from the very beginning. Don't worry too much about understanding all the different styles. What I like to have my friends and family do and when I freelanced before I started working full-time at an interior design firm, is I would have people create a Pinterest board or just save images of things that they are drawn to aesthetically that have nothing to do with interiors. So that was the only rule. Anything that you're drawn to and they didn't have to explain it or anything like that, they would have to pin it and put it all together. And if there's different people in the household, um, I would have them create different folders within a Pinterest board and just start saving it. So an example of this was um, a friend of mine and her partner were both uh, tech company professionals living in San Francisco, and they bought a beautiful um, Victorian townhouse that had been split into single-story homes. 
and they started kind of creating this these pins for me and you know she was really drawn to sort of saturated 70s tones and rocky horror picture show covers and you know goldie hawn and the golden girls and all of these different posters and music and aesthetics that portrayed something quite vintage loving quite kitschy quite warm and then when we brought in his pins we saw that it was a bit kind of more on the blues and gray tones he liked more of like a minimalist contemporary vibe he liked technology there were like skateboard t-shirts he was really into kind of anything that was innovative so whether it was a speaker or a car things like that that were a bit more minimalist in the their allure so it's really normal that in a household you're going to get a very different array of images and if you're stuck with this it can be helpful to look at your closet and the pieces you already own and that you're drawn to and take photos of those but i think art fashion film travel you know hotels you stayed at restaurants you love are all going to be a really good starting point and then the idea is to find a recurring theme so you know with my friend for her i got to see that there was a lot of these kind of like rich rusty tones she had like mustards and then like deep blues and she wasn't afraid of of contrast and things that were a little bit more out there and she liked something that had a bit of a lived in kooky feel so we knew we were playing with a bit of that and that there definitely be color in this palette and that there definitely had to be a bit of this san francisco funky vibe to it and whereas for him you know it meant that maybe maybe we weren't going to be choosing minimalist form in the furniture you know or maybe if it was it would have like a rich mustard velvet but he didn't want to overclutter the space with things on surfaces so there's always kind of a middle point that you're going to have to find when you're bridging the styles of different people and some people feel more strongly than others about the design and that's okay after you've found these recurring themes throughout it's a good idea to start translating that into things you love and also it can be helpful to create a folder of things you hate and especially if you're getting anyone to help you whether it's an interior designer um a friend to give you free advice or an architect who's going to be doing this for you it can be really helpful to show them like where not to go So once you have the things you're naturally drawn to aesthetically, I think you yourself will start to realize that almost everything you've chosen has like timber in it or some kind of organic shapes even if this is not interiors yet or there's a lot of black and white photos and rock and roll and urbanity and, and industry. So already you'll be able to start getting a feel for what this is and what it stands for. And the hardest part here is to start writing about it. so literally putting words to paper and saying and you can it, these can just be phrases you know but it can be like the clash 1960s london red black white the city urbanization cool rock whatever it is these can just be terms you throw down that are going to set you down an aesthetic path once you start fleshing that out i still would say to avoid going immediately to choosing the interior style and the furniture that goes with that because at this point you've only done the most inner ring of these circles of the onion you've only done this the most innermost layer which is your own aesthetic tastes and 
and that's it, right? We haven't connected it yet to your house and its architecture or to where the property sits, which are really important connecting pillars because you may have to adapt the stuff completely. For example, my friend, if she had lived in a house that wasn't in San Francisco in the city and she wasn't working as a tech professional and with her partner, then what we might have done with her style would have been maybe more traditional and much more vintage uh, and much you know more layered and rich. Whereas because she was in a city, because there was this minimalist aspect to the design and because they needed to be able to work from home, we ended up kind of pairing it back and making this vibe a lot more modern. And the story behind it was the home was still a sanctuary. It was still a refuge. It wasn't going to be this big Victorian space, although the architecture would have dictated that perhaps if you looked at it by itself. So next, it's key to look at the style of your house. What year was it built? What materials was it originally built with? What original features are left? And maybe even Googling 1940s architecture Dublin. And you can look at images and see, oh yeah, that's Pebble Dash. Or, okay, yeah, this is when they started using concrete floors and uh, concrete walls and moving away from timber frames. You'll start learning a little bit about what was going on in the time. And that will have informed construction materials, it'll have informed the architectural styles that people were moving towards and where people were building. And that can give a whole other depth to your your home. Like what was it built for? Who was it built by? All of that is so incredibly interesting and important. In many cases, we're living in homes that many other people lived in before us and that somebody spent a lot of time and money building from the bricklayers to the architects to whoever financed it. And that can be incredibly inspiring too. So let's say you do a little bit of research about your style of home, where it was built, when that development was built. And I may add here, if you are buying or building a completely new build or in a development, that doesn't mean it's going to be necessarily devoid of character. You know, there's still an intent there. You are living in the history of the future. So this new development, like let's say, I don't know, Cherrywood has all these new build developments. People are moving out there because the city is getting full and all these tall, beautiful, contemporary brick new builds are being put together. They all have to be A2 rated. The ceilings are high. They're built with a lot of the proportions of Georgian buildings. In some cases, I've seen some really beautiful houses. And that's because it's more space efficient to build tall and, and narrow. So how can you even find inspiration from that, from the migration out to the suburbs as the city gets a little saturated and find character in what and building these new communities, even if you feel like you have to do a lot of work there to, to give it history? You are its own history. So if you're getting anybody to help you with the design of your home, an architect, or if you have a friend who's an architect or you're willing to read a little bit more about it, you can get into the architectural history of a property in a little bit more detail. And that could mean looking at the styles of the original doors and the original windows and the profiles on the skirting and the cornicing and the architraves. And you know, maybe understanding a little bit more what that does to a space. Look at similar houses you go through and like how is their skirting board different? Is it timber? Is it flat? Is there no skirting board? Is it much chunkier and taller and more ornate? So paying attention to all of these little details and deciding, you know, what you like about them and what you don't 
and what connects you to what you learned about your property now that you know a little bit more about your own unique aesthetic. And again, we're not even talking about sofas or kitchen styles yet. It's just getting you really clear with what your own personal style is and what the history of your house brings to the table and connecting those two. Finally, it's figuring out where your property stands. So is it an apartment in the city? Is it on a hill overlooking Tremor Bay, like one of our wonderful podcast guests? Or is it tucked in behind the forest somewhere in Wicklow? And again, this is going to be key because it will, in a lot of ways, along with the orientation of the site, dictate your color palette. There's a reason that Pharaoh and Ball, for example, is so popular in Ireland and in the UK. And that's because its colors are made for our climate. And these colors I've heard can look really, really different if you're somewhere like California. So there's a reason that certain colors and textures are used in different parts of the world. And if you want a Japanese style home, you need to be really careful with where you're transplanting it to and making sure that you're making it appropriate for the property and the location. Like if it was in this wooded Wicklow house, that could very perfectly work because it could be really calm and serene, or else you can do a more contemporary twist on the Japanese and make it a really minimalist apartment playing off the Georgian scale and architectural features, which has become really popular. Having an understanding of where you're facing, um, where the living spaces are going to be, where the best views are, and understanding that the sun rises in the east, so you're only getting light there in the morning. North is where you're going to get the least light and most heat loss. So I was just listening to a really interesting podcast by Kieran McCarthy, the um, builder from Cheap Irish Homes. And a lot of his energy consultant guests were talking about avoiding large swigs of glazing on the northern sides to avoid heat loss there. So how are you choosing where your rooms go in different rooms of the house? And that can also connect to your theme. So do you want really cozy private spaces? And then put your living area to the back. Do you want really welcoming hosting spaces? Then, you know, are you maybe going to blow out some walls? Or do you really need uh, privacy and you have a big household that needs to be tucked away? All of this is really important to bring in the kind of more functional aspect as you're looking at the site and where it gets light and, you know, what it's existing layout is. So as you're considering these more functional aspects of how many rooms do you need, where should these spaces be, you're going to then look back at the architectural history and what stands out to you. And you're going to look at your own personal tastes and that of anyone else who shares your household. And this is how you can start to bring it all together. So sometimes it'll it'll work, you know, it's not sim- it's not so linear. Um, because you might realize, okay, well, you know, in an ideal world, I'd blow out all the walls and make it this big one space. And But I can't do that because of budget, or I can't do that because of something structural in the property, or somebody in my household disagrees. So you're going to have to do a few loops of creating this central narrative. And oftentimes, I find it really helpful, and this was a tip I learned from Kelly Wiersler, is to anchor the inspiration for different rooms or even the whole house on something specific. Like it could be a piece of art for a living room or in the case of our house, we were really inspired by its proximity to Sandy Mount Strand and the Pool Beg Towers 
and kind of this tension between, you know, the industrial, like the infill of all this area. We have the unoriginal seawall that's listed at the entrance of our property, which is a really angular contemporary new build. So we love this tension between kind of the reclaimed of the earth for the urban industry, but then there's still the overwhelming power of nature that you see in Ireland and especially being by the sea and hearing seagulls and seeing the algae grow every day on any surface outside. So these, these kind of tensions, you know, we were inspired by that by pool bed because it's such an important uh, piece of the scenery when you step outside and in that same way, how can you find something that either inspires you or, you know, you always liked or were drawn to? It could be a window. It could literally be a beautiful tree that's in the garden. It can be the color of the brick that is in your whole neighborhood and terrace that you love and playing off of that. So don't forget to get creative here and really try to make this cohesive because it will make the architecture of your home sing if it connects to your interiors and it will make every decision so much easier if you know that there's this like higher concept that you're driving towards and it won't look like anyone else's house and everything will have such an interesting story and the search for each piece will be all the more interesting because it'll have to fit into this story you've created and of course the story will evolve One other thing I might add is how literal you want to play to your story is up to you. If you're really bold and whimsical, then you might be really literal. You might have lots of art that speaks to whatever it was that you were drawn to originally, you know, whether that's records and album covers, or maybe you're going to go a little more subtle with it because you prefer more subdued style. So you're not necessarily going to have, you know, old rugby memorabilia if you're into rugby and drawn by that aesthetic but how can you bring some of the colors that are often seen in sports (laughs) like the royal like a royal blue and a deep dark red and the dark greens basically the colors of passport covers how could you bring some of that tradition into a home and how can you bring more subtle nods perhaps to the things that you appreciate without it being so literal. So there, that's a spectrum and a sliding scale, and that'll be a lot of preference. And again, I think then you can go back to Pinterest and put like rugby interiors or rugby paraphernalia, or like even be inspired by like an old rugby ball and the brown leather of that. So maybe you bring it in in a texture that is only you know that that's a reference to a rugby ball instead of having a Leinster poster in your living room. So on that note, I will leave you. I hope you will have a lot of fun unwrapping these layers of the onion. Um, I hope you will find your own interior style and some inspiration by crafting your own story. Thanks so much. And we'll see you again soon here on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the interiors podcast. To learn more about our guests or anything we mentioned today, please refer back to the show notes. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at the interiors podcast or on my Instagram account, Tanya Neufeld Flanagan. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please subscribe, follow, leave a review, and share the podcast with friends and family. Thank you so much and see you here next time.